0: This is episode number 691 with one of the greatest of all time, Kobe Bryant. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Joseph Campbell said, if you're going to have a story, have a big story or none at all. And boy, oh boy, does Kobe Bryant have a big story. And I'm so pumped and excited that he's on the podcast today. If you don't know who he is... You've probably been hiding under a rock for a long time. He won five NBA championships with the Lakers. He is also an 18 time All Star, 15 time member of the All NBA team, and 12 time member of the All Defensive team. He led the NBA in scoring during two seasons and ranks third on the league's all time regular season scoring and fourth on the all time postseason scoring list. He holds the NBA record for the most seasons playing with one franchise for an entire career and is widely regarded as one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And he is the first guard in NBA history to play at least 20 seasons. 20 seasons, guys, it is so demanding on your body and your minds to be able to sustain a career at that high of a level for that long. He's also an Academy Award winner for his animated short, "Dear Basketball. And he just launched an amazing scripted children's podcast called The Punies, which is an incredible family series that teaches children's morals and history in a really fun way. Make sure to download that podcast right now as well. It's called The Punies, and it's a lot of fun, guys. And what we talk about today... Are are why you should be excited about failure and the mamba mentality this mentality that kobe has developed and cultivated since a child and he breaks down all of this information in this episode also his greatest moment in 20 seasons i was a little shocked about what he said here but also inspiring as well. His daily routine, getting up at 4 a.m. to exercise in the dark and what that does for his mind and his body. His passion of storytelling and why he started his new podcast, The Punies, and all the other projects that he's been working on. And his passion for storytelling. Also, why you need to replay all of life's events if you want to improve yourself. That and so much more. Guys, this was one of my favorite interviews that I've done And I've done almost 700 episodes now. Kobe opened up so much during this. Make sure to share this out with your friends. I want to get this out in a big way because Kobe doesn't do many interviews like this. Make sure to take a screenshot. Tag it on Instagram. Tag at Kobe Bryant and at Lewis Howes. Let us know that you're listening or watching. Make sure to download the punies. This is a powerful interview, and I know a lot of you are going to get a lot of value out of this. So make sure to tag your friends, share it with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 691. Without further ado, one of the greatest of all time, Mr. Kobe Bryant. Welcome, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We have the incredible, legendary Kobe Bryant, my man. It's good to meet you. Pleasure, man. Congrats on everything, you're an icon, a legend, and the thing I love the most about you is that you really care about other human beings. Your heart is so big, even though you've been known for this focused mentality that is just almost psycho in some ways, (laughs) (laughs) but you care deeply about human beings, and I think that's why so many people love you as well, so I want to acknowledge you for your kindness and your generosity towards humanity. My first question for you is I'm curious about who was your greatest teacher Growing up, because you had an uh, an interesting childhood, being in Italy for a while, coming back to Philadelphia, I think it was. Yeah. Who was the greatest teacher for you in
1: those early days? It was funny. Man. I had a lot of them. Like, my parents were great. You know, growing up, they instilled in me the importance of imagination, of curiosity, and understanding that okay, if you want to accomplish something, I'm not just going to sit here and say yes, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can, but you have to also put in the work to get there. Right? So they taught me that at a really early age, man. And when you grow up as a kid thinking that the world is your oyster, and all things are possible if you put in the work to do it. You know, you grow up having that fundamental belief.
0: Yeah, who was more influential for you, your father or mother?
1: Both were influential at different points. Yeah. My mom was there on a daily basis. My father was really influential at a really critical time where I, you know, I had a summer where I played basketball when I was like 10 or 11 years old in a very prominent summer league in Philadelphia called the Sunny Hill League, where my father played, my uncle played, and they were like all-time greats and yeah. sort of stuff. and Will Chamberlain played in the league, Earl of Pro, Monroe played in the league. And here I come playing, and I don't score one point the entire summer. Really? Not one. How old were you? 11, 10, 11. And you're playing
0: against other 10, 11-year-olds? Uh-huh. or And you didn't score once. Not one. Were you in the game? I was in the game. How did you not
1: score? Because I was terrible. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That At 10 happened, 11 years old, you were that terrible. Awful. I mean, I, you know, and I had these big knee pads on because I was no. growing really fast. and I had socks all the way up here, and I had, like, the pot top. Skinny, yeah. Like, skinny as hell. And I scored not a free throw, not a nothing, not a lucky shot, not a breakaway layup, zero points. And I remember crying about it and being upset about it, and my father just gave me a hug and said, Listen, whether you score zero or score 60, I'm going to love you no matter what. Wow. Now, that is the most important thing that you can say to a child. Because from there, I was like, okay, that gives me all the confidence in the world to fail. I have the security there. But to hell with that, I'm scoring 60. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> right, right, right. And from there, I just went to work. And I just wow. I stayed with it. And I kept practicing, kept practicing, kept practicing.
0: Is that when you think the mentality of hard work started to come in for you at that age when you failed so miserably, I guess, that summer?
1: I think that's when the idea of understanding a long-term view became important because I wasn't going to catch these kids in a week. I wasn't going to catch them in a year, right? So that's when I sat down and said, okay, this is going to take some thought, All right? What do I want to work on first? All right, shooting. All right, let's knock this out. Let's focus on this half a year, six months, do nothing but shoot. Right after that, all right, creating your own shot. And then you focus. So you start I started creating a menu of things. Mm. When I came back the next summer, I was a little bit better. Right? A you being back.
0: like I've got my jump shot from 15, I've got yeah, my Yeah, I got my jump away. shot from I've 15,
1: got my... I got my three point shot, like just open shots, not miss open shots, right? right. And be able to shoot it with speed, because those kids are so much more athletic. Yeah. And then the next summer I came back, I was a little better. And the summer came back. Next summer, I was a little better. I scored. It wasn't much, but I scored. This is 12, 13. 12, 13. And then 14 came around, back half of 13, 14 years old. And then I was just killing everyone. And it happened in two years. And I wasn't expecting it to happen in two years, but it did. Because what I had to do was work on the basics and the fundamentals. But they relied on their athleticism Mm. and their natural ability. And because I stick to the fundamentals, it just caught up to them. And then my body, you know, my knees stopped hurting. I grew into my frame. And, and then
0: your athleticism, once you have the fundamentals, exactly. the hard work, the mindset, and you tack on the athletic, exactly. athleticism, then, it's then, game then, over.
1: Then it was game over. <laughs> wow.
0: So from 13, you're good, average still? I was, I
1: was good. I was good. And then about, about the, like the end of my, third, like right when I was turning 14, I became the best player in the state.
0: At 14. At 14, so from 12 to 14, you went from scoring zero to being the best in the yep. state
1: of all ages. Yep, but it's, it's simple, like if you do the math on this, right, like if, you, if you're thinking about how often kids are playing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I'll tell this to my daughter and my daughter's team as well that I coach. So it's a simple thing of math. If you want to be a great player, if you play every single day, two, three hours, every single day over the course of a year, how much better are you getting? Most kids will play maybe an hour and a half, two days a week. Right. Do, Do the math season, on that. It's, not, it's not gonna, that. it's not going to get it done. <laughs> it's not going to get it done. Right? So, if you're obsessively training two, three hours every single day over a year, over two years, you're going to accelerate. You make quantum leaps, man. Just
0: doing a summer camp for two weeks, you you see a difference. I remember playing basketball. You, up. you see like, it. You get a lot better. You yes. come back more confident playing on the playground with guys who used yeah. to beat you. Yeah. And,
1: I, and like I, I tell the parents on my team, I said, it's, it's when I, I say your kids are going to become great basketball players, and like, Really? Yeah, it's not. There's no math. That's it. Show up every single
0: day. Show up every single day. Do the work. But you have this Mamba mentality. Your book's coming out soon. And how did you develop this? There's a there's a beautiful story that I love from Jay Williams. I don't know if you remember Jay Williams, where he did an interview a while back and he talked about how when he played you, I think the first time or one of the first times he played against you, he was like, "I'm gonna show up so early to the court to warm up and practice like before anyone." and he shows up at the court, I don't know if it was in LA or where I was, and you were the only one there, already shooting free throws, already doing your fundamentals. And he goes, I'm gonna stay here until Kobe leaves. And then he was like, gosh, an hour and a half, two hours later. I gotta go. I'm tired. <laughs> and Kobe's still shooting free throws, scoring, like just going over the th- fundamentals. And right. he goes, and then we played that game, and you were lights out, and he came up to you afterwards and said like, dude, why were you in there for so long, and how'd you do it? And he said, this is what he said, you said, said I knew you were watching and I wanted to show you that I was willing to outwork you. Right. Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember this. I remember that. You remember, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was so powerful that you have this mindset, but how did you develop that? And I don't know if that's what you call the mama mindset, but how did you develop that and well, when did it start?
1: Uh, it, it started in, in middle school and high school because a lot of the kids that I was playing against were inner city kids. Yeah. And so you're looking at me as if, okay, this kid's soft. Right, he's from the suburbs of Philadelphia. His father played in the NBA, played professionally. He got it easy. Got it easy. Born on second, you know, all this other stuff, right? And so, they felt like they could try to be physical or try to intimidate me and do all this other stuff, which they couldn't, right? But now I'm saying, okay, well, you're trying to attack me. How am I going to attack you? How can I mentally figure out ways to break break you down? How can I show you that no, I have the edge, right? And so that's when it first started for me is figuring out how to get the upper hand on an opponent that way.
0: And what would you do to mentally break people down then?
1: Well, I mean, we used to have an All-American camp that I used to go to, and, you know, at the time, when I first showed I was a sophomore. One of the things I would do is, well, everybody would be at the cafeteria, work, you know, eating and doing all sort of stuff. I'd just go back to the gym. I'd just go back to the gym. <laughs> it's just, it's, they'd, know, be they'd be resting, re- And they'd see me leave. But now you're in a tough position because you're like, okay, I want to be like, I'm following the kid to go Work out right. but i know he's working he's up early and he's doing all this wow. other stuff and so that was my way of sho- of showing them <clears throat> yeah i may be from the suburbs but you're not going to outwork me wow and i'm mentally going to be did much did someone tougher. teach
0: you that was that just a thing that you decided like i'm going to get in people's minds
1: it's just figuring out ways to to be better and to win the game and it started as a defense mechanism because mm-hmm you know, they were the ones talking trash to me and kid from Italy, blah, 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 and all this other stuff. And it was like, okay, I got to, I can't let them, yeah, I got to defend myself yeah. here, right? And then it became, okay, pretty witty. I can say some pretty witty yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> an Italian, and, and an Italian, and Italian, yeah, Italian. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, you know, I never,
0: I never was physically gifted to an extreme level. I was always really good, but I was never like the fastest or biggest or strongest. But I remember my edge was, I'm not going to go party and I'm not going to drink alcohol. Right. So I've never been drunk still, because I was like, I need every edge when guys were out partying late at night who were better than me, and drinking and showing up hungover, I was like, I'm gonna be more focused and have right. clearer vision. And, um, but I wasn't waking up at 4 a.m. like you, so.
1: That's, that's interesting, because I, when I played, um, one of the things that I had to learn is how to get the best out of my teammates. Yeah. And most people think it's a simple thing, you know, pass them the ball. You know, but that's not how you make guys better. You have to really affect their behavior how do you do that? I would tell guys, you know, you got to back-to-backs. You know, I don't care if we're in Miami, I don't care if we're in the great city or Chicago, You can't go out, we gotta get rest. Right? Back-to-back games. Back-to-back games, yeah. right? Monday, Tuesday, you play Monday, you play again Tuesday. Guys aren't gonna listen, right? You're gonna, you know, right. a few times say, all right, well, I'll go out. We'll go out together. Really? I'm, I'll drink with you. But the next morning, I'm banging on your door at five in the morning. <laughs> Let's go. They're not getting Where that. are we going? <laughs> I hung out with you now you come hang out with me wow. this is what we do all right let's go And we're at the gym we're working out right we hit the bus we go to practice we play that night and they're dead and they're dead and they're like lesson learned really <laughs> lesson so learn take
0: them out once
1: listen if you're gonna do that do that but don't let that compromise what we're here to do right this is why we're here this is why you're here in the first place yeah right and if we're gonna win a championship.
0: We have to have that championship mentality it. and work ethic.
1: That's it. So you got to show them, no, Kobe can do that and still has the energy to get up and do this. So either I got to meet that same energy or I got to keep my butt in my Go to own. bed
0: early, yeah. Wow. What are some other things you did to rise the level of the uh, your teammates? What are some other ways that you can uh, And what well, do you think people well, can do in general with the business team or any sports
1: team? I think you have to you have to listen, pay attention to what your colleagues or teammates are saying. And what are certain things that drive them, certain things that motivate them, that trigger them. Uh, One of my favorite ones. Pal hates it every time I tell this story. He hates it. He hates it. But we we lost to the Celtics in 08. And it was a physical series. I mean, they beat the crap out of us. Yeah. And so we go into the (laughs) Olympic year that year. We wound up playing Spain for the gold medal match. And we beat them. Uh Uh-huh. And so now we come back to start training camp. And Pal shows up the first day of of training camp. I have my gold medal hanging in his locker. Oh, no. And he, (laughs) I mean... Like, the one thing that he truly, truly loves is his country. Of course. Like that is, like, everything to him. So it just drove him crazy. Oh I said, "Pow, listen. He said, you're an asshole. I said, listen, Powell, you lost to the Celtics. You lost to us in a gold medal match. Let's not make this three in a row this year. Wow. Okay? That is the <laughs> Let's brilliant. win this thing. <laughs> and that was, that was it for him. And he probably stepped up at a whole other level. Powell was a phenomenon to begin with. And then for him was just stepping up to a level of physicality that we needed him to get to, which he did, and we went on to win back-to-back championships.
0: My man. (laughs) How important is understanding human psychology and human behavior to work with a team as opposed to just relying on your gifts and talents?
1: It's probably the most important thing. You know, when you're in in this culture in our society, you can do some phenomenal things individually, but they'll never reach their full potential unless you do them collectively. And you have to figure out how to do that. And, you know, Phil Jackson was great at that. Mm-hmm. And Phil, he wouldn't just coach the team or coach the game, but he'd read everything about every single player. Really? He'd learn about your history, how you grew up, how you were raised, where were you, where were you raised? You know, he'll read every interview. Mm-hmm. He'll learn about you and gives him a better understanding of what's motivating you or what your insecurities are. Right? And then it just helps him communicate with you better, or even push a button here if he needs to.
0: When did you learn that it was important to understand who your teammates are, what their likes or dislikes are? Was that in high school for you, or more?
1: No, it was, uh, I learned it from Phil. There, there was a stretch in 03, where Shaq was out with an injury. And Phil called me up to his office and said, okay, we need you to really turn on the afterburners and start scoring a oh, wow. ball if we have to win. So. I did, and I wound up scoring, I think it was nine straight games with 40-plus points. Nine straight? Nine straight games. And then Shaq comes back second to last game of that. And then Phil calls me up to his office and says, Kobe, okay, I need you to dial it back. I'm like, why? Like, we're winning. <laughs> I don't understand. says, <laughs> because our goal is to win a championship. Mm. And we can get through the Western Conference with you playing this way. But in the East, you know, we, we can dominate them inside with Shaq in the post. But if you continue to do this, we'll lose Shaq. We'll lose him. His motivation, his excitement. What triggers him, right? He, so I need you to pull back so we can pull Shaq forward for June. Wow. And I'm, I just looked at him like, one smart dude. Man. Wow. That was <laughs> yeah. Really yeah That's one smart dude, man. So I pulled, pulled it back. Wow. Yeah.
0: What do you think has been the greatest challenge you've had since leaving the game? I think it's, you know. I mean, you won an Oscar, you're you're launching podcasts and shows, and you got a book coming out. Yeah.
1: It's different, though. Like, you know, um, we were just talking about it here in the office the other day. When you play the game, you hit a game-winning shot, you miss a shot, the reaction's there. You can see how people are responding to it, right? You can feel it. The energy is there. The energy is there. What I do now, you don't. Like, I, I don't see how people are affected by deer basketball or creating the punies, and you put it out there. Like, I wish I could see a car ride of a family the first time mm. their daughter hears Lily's Lemonade and what she's doing, you know, she's singing along to it. That's not there, right? So that's the, the challenge. That's the, the one mm. thing that I miss is being it's able feedback. to feed off of the energy.
0: Yeah. The instant feedback yeah. that you get from shoot, missing or scoring a shot, yeah, winning man. or losing a game. It's like either way you're getting a, a result, right? Yes, right?
1: yes. Yes, that's the one thing. And, and when, I, when I went to, because uh, I spent a lot of time with mentors as well. Uh-huh. up at Pixar and Disney Studios. Uh-huh. They've been absolutely wonderful animation, Disney animation. And I've talked to them about Frozen and Moana and how our kids love them. And they're always like, oh, that's awesome. And they, they want to hear it because they don't ever get a chance to s- truly see it. Like They're, they're not sitting they don't, in a the movie theater like... No, no. And they don't have time to go to Disneyland and walk around the park and see how many families are enjoying the content that they've created because they're busy making the next Creating. One. Yes, yes, so that, that's the one thing.
0: What do you think the biggest challenge is for most athletes after they retire?
1: I think it's the fear of, of starting anew, and that was certainly present for me as well.
0: Really? Yeah, like
1: identity, you, you mean, or? No, well, it's, it's starting from scratch, right? Because when you, when you play for 20 years, I play for 20 years, you reach a certain level, you're like, okay, wait a minute, I have to start again at the base of a mountain, and try to climb the top of this mountain. First of all, what mountain am I climbing? I don't even know Like, what the hell am I gonna be doing. And it's very very scary, Mm. it's very scary. Even for you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And the thing that helped me actually was hurting my Achilles because that forced me to sit there and say, okay, the day could be today that your career is over.
0: At any time when you were playing, I mean, yeah. Now what do you do?
1: You have these ideas about doing something with your life after basketball. But what if today is the day that you, that's it. Now what do you do? So I had all this time sitting there with my Achilles injury and contemplating and thinking, and I said, I better get to work. Wow. (laughs) That was that.
0: Big announcement, we've got a movie coming out. That's right. We have been working on a movie for the last couple of years. It's called Chasing Greatness. And you can go to greatness.com right now to opt in to be notified when we're launching this online. We're also doing a live premiere in Los Angeles, Hollywood. If you want to come and watch this live, then come check it out. All you need to do, again, is go to greatness.com, be notified of the live premiere, and also when we're releasing this entire movie and documentary online. So check it out right now at greatness.com. What was the vision for you afterwards then? Was it to do what you're doing now? Or did you have other ideas? Or what is, what's the vision? For I you? struggled
1: with it at first. Cause the first question I asked, which is the wrong question is, what's the biggest industry I can get into?
0: Was it more money thinking yes. or?
1: Money thinking saying, okay, athletes are saying you, you can't make more revenue when you retire. This is your source of your income is here. Saying okay, that's a challenge. What can I do? And I remember just going for- Didn't you launch a fund or something? I did, yeah. I did. And so I, I started, I went for a ride. And I said, okay, stop thinking of it that way. You're thinking of it the wrong way. Why did you start playing basketball? Because I loved it. All right, what do you love to do? Oh, well, I love to tell stories. Mm. All right, let's do that. And then that's where it started for me. And, and then on top of that, it became things like, you know, you start learning more about the financial industry and about players going broke once they retire. Yeah. And saying, okay, how can, I, how can I minimize the chances of that happening? What are things that I can do? to invest my money smartly, also help control some of that outcome to a certain extent. Right. And that's when I called Mike Rapoli. Who Mike Rapoli was an entrepreneur who built Vitamin Water, Pirates Booty, and some other yeah. companies, and started learning from him. And then from that came the opportunity to invest in Body Armor. Yeah. Yeah, which it's we're good. drinking now. It's delicious. <laughs> but all that came from the injury, really, really? having to self-assess, face that, that really dark room of what comes next
0: storytelling is something you're really passionate about. What's a story over your life that's been a, a constant theme that you go back to? Is there something you heard as a kid that, you, that really resonates with you, or a book, or a
1: movie that just feels like this is me? Yeah, that's funny. Movies, there are plenty, but the, there's a quote from uh, one of my English teachers at Lower Marion named Mr. Fisk. He had a great quote that said, rest at the end, not in the middle. And that's something i always live by. I'm not going to rest and I'm going to keep on pushing now. There are a lot of answers that I don't have. Even questions that I don't have. But I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going and I'll figure these things out as you go, right? And you just continue to build that way. So that, I try to live by that all the time. Rest at the end. Rest at the end.
0: What's the question that eats you alive the most that you haven't answered yet?
1: <sighs> the question that eats me alive that I haven't answered yet. Or that you're still looking um, for the answer? I'm still looking for the answer how to tell a good story. I don't, think, I don't think anybody has that answer. You know, like when I, when I sat down uh, to write Deer Basketball, I was like, okay, what do I want to say? You have certain acts and how you can structure certain things, right? The ebbs and flows of story, certain formulas that have been there since the beginning of time. But it's such an, in that, an exact sense. So challenging,
0: yeah.
1: Right? And so that one question is really interesting.
0: Why do you want to tell a great story.
1: I think stories is what moves the world. Whether it's an inspirational story, or it's an informational one, nothing in this world moves without story. Mm-hmm. Be it from the political world, sports world, nothing that we have moves without story. And so I think that is the root of everything. And if we're gonna to try to make the world a better place, stories are right place. yeah i agree but most people don't understand like my like my last year people would come up to me and say okay what are you gonna do i said i'm gonna be a storyteller really and they go <laughs> <they're> like, <laughs> what are yeah. you talking about all right man so uh, so what what's you gonna really happen gonna do? Yeah, yeah like what's gonna happen when you retire is you're gonna go through like a week of depression yeah. <laughs> then the second week is gonna be like denial and all so right like, i'm like dude seriously i'm good so after a while i just got sick of it and i just just Said, I said, I don't know. I'll go play golf or something. <laughs> right. You Just tell them a lie. I'm not, hey. not going to do anything. I'll oh, best play. in real estate. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit around.
0: What does losing feel like to you? It's exciting. Why is it exciting?
1: Because it means you have different ways to get better. There are certain things that you can figure out that you can take advantage of, right? Certain weaknesses that were exposed mm. that you need to shore up. So it was exciting. I mean, it sucks to lose. Right. But at the same time, their answer is there if you just look at them.
0: Because you get the information from losing more than from winning, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the answers are there when you win, too. You, you, you just have to look at them. Yeah. Right? So it's a constant process. It's exciting when you win. It's exciting when you lose because the process should be exactly the same. Whether you win or you lose As you go back and you look and you find things that you could have done better. You find things that you've done well that worked. You figure out how did they work, why did they work, and how can you make them work again? Yeah. And, uh, but the hardest thing is to face that stuff. That's a really, really tough challenge.
0: You mean face it? You mean look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, this is how I showed up or this is what happened? And, uh, I'll
1: give you an example. So uh, Katie Lou Samuelson is one of the best college basketball players in the country. She plays at UConn. She's going to be a senior. Right now? Right now. She's from Huntington Beach out here by us. And so she comes down and she works with some of my, my, my girls on the team and she helps coach. And They just had a really tough season last year, but they lost to Notre Dame in the final. That's right. Really tough. First loss in, like, First loss. years, right? Yeah. And so I asked her, I said, have you watched the Notre Dame game? She was like, no. So, said, well, why not? I said, I don't want to watch that. I said, I know you don't, but you're going to play Notre Dame this year, yeah? Yeah. There's the chances you see him again in the final. I said, well, you probably see him again. I said, well, you can't show up and play them without knowing why you lost that one, right? So, you know, it, it, the mistakes that you've made in that game, you have to do the hard stuff and watch that game and study that game to not make those mistakes over and over again, just because you weren't brave enough to face it. So she came down to the office. I brought her down to the office and we sat down we watched that game together. Right, and you gotta, you gotta deal with it. Face it. it. You gotta deal with it. Face it, learn from it. Wow, it must have been cringing for her to just be like, oh, are you yeah.
0: playing like we could have won, all well, these things? It, that's exactly it, isn't if it? I just it, did that one thing, if exactly I right. didn't
1: get that foul, if I was scored exactly that layup. That's right. exactly right. You look at it and say, oh, there's the mismatch oh, there's the gap, Uh, you know, and all those little things, and it sucks, but but you don't want to have that feeling again, do you, right? So you got to really study it, face it. Not to say you'll win the next time you face it, but at least you'll you'll give yourself a better better chance. Yeah. What was your
0: routine and ritual like after every
1: game? Would you watch
0: almost every game over or certain games? All of them. Every game you watch?
1: Every game. The whole game? The whole game. No way. Yeah, so it started with me when I was... When Phil Jackson's, his first year here with the Lakers, one of assistant coaches, his name was Tex Winter, and I call him Yoda. I mean, he was like 82 when he got here. Wow. He was responsible for teaching me the triangle offense. How old were you then? I was 21. So three years, four years in the league? Yeah, so about my fourth year in the league. Okay. And so I go up to his room, and this is when there were, there were no iPads or anything like that, right? So when you're on the road, yeah, you like have to it. call down to the front desk and have to bring up the TV <laughs> right. with the whole, you know, the roly thing and the VHS and the cassette tape you pop it in. And I thought we were going to watch what we call touches. So watch all your touches when uh-huh. you have the ball, all the decisions you make, good ones and bad. No, we're watching the start of the game oh my to the God. end of the game. Not like the TV feed. Watching the in-arena feed, the layup line, the timeouts. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Rewinding, stopping, fast forward, rewinding, slow motion, every little thing, every game of that season with the 82-year-old Yoda. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Who is as brutally honest as you can get. What did that teach you that season? Oh, it taught me to look at detail. Hmm. Right, look at thing, things at their smallest, look at body language, look at the energy between players, our team and the other team. Wow. Right, look at the tactics, you know, look at the overall strategy and to look at how tactically things are manifesting themselves. And because I watched so much film, then it gave me the ability to see game in real time as if I was watching film. Wow. Right, I can see pop, 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 pop. Because a lot of times the game starts moving really fast. But if you train yourself to watch hours and hours of film, the game's not moving that fast anymore. You can really recognize who's doing what and why. Then you can position guys in the right places in real time. Mm. Seeing it before it happens. Yes. Yeah. We, you know, in football, we'd watch it once a
0: week game film, but not after every game. It was only one game a week. You yeah. got like
1: three, three weeks sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta go. I know. Go,
0: and I know. Tom Brady's obsessive over game film as well. Yep. I mean, watching his show that came out. Thomas the time was all about him just in there studying. Mm-hmm. Even months after the game, he's studying to prepare. Right? It's just yep. like he's not stop. That's one of the keys you think. It's like if you're not watching film, whether it be as a speaker on stage or a performer and a musician,
1: if you're not watching yourself back, you got to learn, man. I mean, Beyonce's same same thing. Really? After a performance, she's immediately on her laptop rewatching the performance. No way. Yes, seeing how to do things better. What could we have done differently? It's an obsessiveness that comes along with it. You want things to be as perfect as they can be. Understanding that nothing is ever perfect. But the challenge is try to get them as perfect as they can be. Mm -hmm. And what can you do? It's in your control. So control what you can. I can watch film all day long. It's going to help me. Get better. Yes. Yes.
0: Now, did you have your teammates also follow on this obsessiveness that you had as well,
1: or did you just encourage them, or what was the? No, you can't push somebody to do that, right? But what you can do is alter behavior and also change the vernacular of how they speak about the game. Mm. So on team buses, team planes, in a locker room, after practice, I would look at the film, I'd pull Powell, Lamar, D. Fish, pull them aside and say, let's look at this, We probably should have done this, that, and the other. So you'll
0: show them the game from a little bit here and there. Yeah, and then
1: you speak to them in in executional terms. It's never, come on, guys, we can do better. Come on, guys, we can do better. That's rah-rah stuff. The leader must give very tactical things that we can do, adjustments. Okay, the defense is doing this, that, and the other. That means we should probably do this, 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 that, and the other. By midway through the season, through that behavior, you start seeing them communicating the same way back to you. Right, And it's like, okay, Cole, they're doing this that and the other to you. Maybe we should do this and the other. You. You're like, okay, yeah, awesome, great, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. What about season 16, 17, 18?
0: Are you still watching every game film as obsessively as the first 10 years? Not, not
1: now, no. Well, when I was playing. When you were playing. Yeah, yeah. so when I was playing, what I would do is, is study the film, but study our younger players mm. and see what areas do they need to develop in and how can I help them develop. That was the big challenge, as you move from being the single dominant player to understanding, okay, I have to help these other guys.
0: How do I lift everyone else up? It's tough. You were so dominant in your whole career, one of the greatest of all time. Was there a weakness that you had? Or did you, because obviously you are always trying to master your weaknesses so they became strengths, but at the end or towards the end, did you ever feel like, gosh, I still haven't mastered this one part of the game? The challenge
1: for me was always compassion and empathy. (sighs)
0: Because you're like, guys, let's go, get results.
1: Shut up, don't complain, right? I don't want to hear your whining. I don't right. want to hear it. Don't no tell excuses. Me, don't tell me how rough the water is. Just bring the boat in. You know, I don't, like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to hear it. And it's, uh, funny. it's understanding, like, okay, these guys have lives <laughs> right. outside
0: of. So they have other things happening. They have other things
1: yeah. happening to them that may be affecting the way that they're practicing or the way that they're performing. Right? And it was hard for me to understand that because nothing, nothing bothered me. Anything personally. Anything Never phased me when I you played. You compartmentalized it. Very well. But so I couldn't understand how my teammates couldn't do that either. So I had to really work on that aspect of it. That's hard. Shit. <laughs> yeah, so compa- <laughs> did you feel like
0: you never really had the compassion you wish you would have had? Like until the last maybe couple of years?
1: Yeah. So I, I think about '09, things started changing for okay. me. I, I started really making a conscious effort to better understand. And that doesn't mean, I mean you have compassion and empathy, so you go soft on them. It's more like you, you, put, you put yourself to the side and you put yourself in their shoes and understand what they're feeling. And then you have to make certain decisions of, okay, what buttons do I need to push for this player yeah. to get them to the next level? So it's never, it's not sit around and all it's all happy-go-lucky type right. of thing. Your leader, your job is to get the best out of them, even if they may not like it at that time.
0: Yeah, wow. What are you most proud of from your 20 seasons?
1: Honestly, it was, may sound a little shallow, but I got to say beating the Celtics in Game 7. <laughs> um, hey. That's what I'm most proud of. because it, it, was, it was the hardest. They were playing with Rajon Rondo, Paul Pierce, mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett, mm. Ray Allen, and it was myself, Powell, and the players that other teams didn't want. And how do we figure out as a group what to do? And the reason why I love that series so much is that we went down three games to two against Boston. And now you got two games coming home. I remember sitting in the locker room and they beat the crap out of us too that game. So we're sitting in the locker room and it's really, really quiet. I'm sitting there looking around and we just lost the Celtics in 08. So this is like revenge, right? And they're kicking our butt again, right? So I sit around and I just started laughing. I started laughing. And then I remember Derek Fisher looked at me like, and Lamar looked at me and goes, What is funny? I said, dude, they beat the crap out of us. <laughs> they just beat the crap out. I said, I'm, I'm missing the part where that's funny. I said, man, listen, if we start this season and they say all you have to do is win two games at home and you're an NBA champ, would you take that? Yeah. And they're like, right. Yeah, right. That's all we got to do. Yeah. Go Down home, two. win two, we're NBA champions. All we got to do is win two, ga- two games in a row. That's it. We'll take care of the first game, and I promise you, They're not winning game seven on our home floor. It's not happening. So we all just laughed about it. And then we went out and we figured it out. But that game seven was, we're down 15 points in the fourth quarter. Right? And that's when you have to collectively look at each other and say, you know, the spirit of your team must be good. Because at that moment is when teams fracture. If the energy amongst each other isn't there, that trust isn't there, you're done. Mm -hmm. And we were able to collectively dig deep together and say all right we're going to figure this thing out wow and i wasn't playing well and i wasn't shooting the ball well at all and so my teammates picked you up and they delivered yes
0: yeah. wow i saw on instagram that you're up at like 4 a.m lifting by yourself in the dark and again you've had in one of the most incredible careers arguably of all time made all the money in the world Got a freaking Oscar now. You've got all these other things happening, and yet you're still waking up, or at least you're in the gym at 4 a.m. working yeah. out, and you just turned 40, yeah. right? Which congratulations, Thank by you. the way. Thank I ho- you. I hope I look as good as you. 40. <laughs> um, why still wake up that early and train at this level in your life right now?
1: There's several factors for that. Like when I first retired, let myself go a little bit. Really, you got a little. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A yeah. chubby life. Oh, it was awesome. Was, like, you enjoyed whatever. everything. Oh man, I'm eating. What? Well, and as well, bring, man. bring it to me let's go <laughs> steak oh let's, let's go right milkshakes let's do it yeah, let's man. do it and then the challenge was okay can i get back in shape Ooh. and it's it's really hard because it, there's no end goal I'm
0: there's no game there's
1: no season there's right? No. right so how do you motivate yourself to do how it? do you and so for me it was like okay i have to i have to aim for something mm. so i said i want to aim for size i want to aim for bulk right so that's a tangible thing I, i'm going to go for that right but then also it's you know my children Because, like, you know, your kids can't see how hard you work. You go to the office, I come in the studio, they don't really see the effort, right? So how can we teach our children what it means to work hard? Well, you do it through training. So when I get up in the morning, my daughter goes with me. 4 a.m.? 4 a.m. My 15-year-old goes with me. She goes with me before school, and it becomes a daddy-daughter thing. That's cool. She just got a permit, so she drives in the morning. It becomes a cool thing, right? But through that process, she understands the value of hard work and things taking time. And the same thing with my 12-year-old. Right, She practices every day. Right? And so it's through those behaviors is where I find the motivation to mm. do it. Mm. And what brings you the most joy right now? Being with my family. Really? That is, man, that is the most fun. It's just, um, you know, it's uh, hanging out with them all summer. Being able to, to do things that I ordinarily couldn't do. Yeah. Because of training, because of season and stuff like that. So being around them and watching Bianca grow up, because there are a lot of things that I miss with Natalia and Gianna because I was playing. So being there every day with them is so much fun, man. So it uh, brings me the most joy. That's amazing. And what, is, what
0: does love feel like for you?
1: <sighs> what does love feel like? Happiness is such a thing. I would describe love as happiness. I think I'd describe it as a beautiful journey. Mm. You know, it has its ups and downs. Right? Whether it's in marriage or whether it's in a career, things are never perfect. But through love, you continue to persevere and you move through them, you move through them. And then through that storm, beautiful sun emerges. Yeah. And inevitably another storm comes. And guess what? You ride that one out too. Yeah. So I think love is a certain determination and persistence to go through the good times and the bad times with the someone or something that you truly love. Mm.
0: You've got a new podcast out right now called The Punies, yeah. which I started listening to. I'd listened to the first two episodes. It's incredible. <laughs> They're like 13 to 15-minute episodic storytelling cartoons, I guess, Yes. for kids. And the thing I love about it the most is it's, it's funny. It's entertaining. There's original music. There's all these different characters. You're teaching history, like, in a yeah. fun way, <laughs> which I like the last one where it's like, we talk about history so we don't repeat it right. in our own lives. And then you teach lessons about overcoming failure for kids and insecurities and challenges we're facing. And I think it's beautiful. Can you talk about the punies in the podcast and what it's all about?
1: Yeah, the, so the punies came to me from, you know, we have our family tradition where we watch the Sandlot, every Fourth of July. God, it's the greatest movie, the greatest. man! In the it's summer. The Squincy, oh my gosh! And yeah, yeah, and it's s'mores, the best, thing. baby. Dude, come Give on! Give me right? s'mores. So, like, that's our family ritual. Oh my every gosh! Every Fourth of July. Sandlot, Sandlot, right? And so, after watching The Sandlot, when we, I was like, Dude, we need a new sports movie like this, right? Yeah. So I started kind of concepting ideas and stuff, but nothing I truly loved. And then over Thanksgiving, our other ritual to watch Charlie Brown. Uh huh. Right sure. in the pumpkin patch, sure. right? So we watched that, and then I go. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Let's just put those together. Put those together, right? And I already had written some stories, individual stories for Puny Pete and B.B. Two of the characters. Two of the, the characters play. and the Punies. And I said, well, let's combine those. Let's, let's... And then from that, that's when the, the Punies started coming to fruition and I started thinking about the characters and, you know, why does this show need to exist and where are some of the deeper messages that can be there that yeah. consciously you may not, observe but sure. but you can sense and feel and that's when i started constructing the show
0: and are you part of the whole process are you helping write the script are you helping so we have, have a great uh
1: young producer here who actually started here three years ago while he was still at sc uh-huh. and has since grown it's into greatest a position film school yeah, yeah. greatest film school and so he and i worked together hand in hand on outlining every single episode so we outlined each episode the story beats and then we found a great writer named John Hollers, a great writer. And so we gave him the outline, and he just made it a thousand times better. And then I just, I directed each episode, and... You oversee it all, you edit, you, you yeah yeah scripts, I, Yeah, direct it. So yeah. the other challenge was finding great actors. Voice acting Vo- is a different skill. Yes, it's a, it's a challenging art form. I mean, yeah. it, it, you really have to be able to communicate a lot just through In your essence, voice. essence, and energy with your yes. voice, yeah. And so the trick was finding actors that have not lost that childlike quality right they can still imagine themselves being children being at the park and playing right and once we found them they really brought the characters to life and now here we are with the punies man it's amazing i want you
0: guys to go download it right now subscribe it's the punies on apple Podcasts or spotify and everything anywhere podcasts are at i'm telling you guys there's a lot of parents listen to this show Download this. Listen to it in your car, and do me a favor. Take a video of your kids in the car (laughs) and send it to me. Tag me on Instagram. Tag Kobe on Instagram. Yes, Kobe Bryant. That
1: would be amazing. Because
0: that's what's going to give you great feedback. Oh
1: gosh, that would be amazing.
0: Seeing how kids react. So put your phone again. Don't don't film and drive. Do it when (laughs) have someone else filming it. Right. Um, But make sure or put it on a GoPro and just press
1: record. Yes.
0: It's about 15 minutes long. Take your kids to school.
1: It is a like to the park too. Like, on the Saturday, park. like we made them on Saturdays. Like every Saturday it's a new episode because Saturday is ah. normally the, the day us parents drive our kids to different sporting events. To the pool, to the yes. games, to the park. Yes, that's why every episode has to be between 12 to you know 15, 16 minutes, right? Because yeah. that's normally the drive. Yeah. Sometimes it may be longer. And then in that case, you can play multiple episodes. But that's something you can listen to on your way to an event. It's like mini frozen and moana episodes, right? Yes. It's like little yes.
0: with original music yes. and all that stuff. It's really cool. Go download it. Again, take a video and tag Kobe on Instagram. Are you yes. on Instagram a lot yourself? I am on
1: Instagram, yeah. Tag him. Yeah. Especially Lily's Lemonade. Listen to Lily's Lemonade. Yes. And I would love to see kids out there trying to, trying to do the Lily's Lemonade song.
0: Love it. Hopefully we'll get a bunch of video clips for yeah. you. Uh, and your book is out
1: in October. It's called Mamba Mindset. Do you want to yeah. talk briefly about that? Well, the mentality book is, is really about process and craft. I've broken the book up into two sections. And process is really about the process of preparing through injury, recovery, studying of the game. And then the craft is the actual performance and the tactics. And so a lot of things that I learned through the game were through photos. You can look at a photo and see like a player making a move and look at the angle of his feet, look how he's using his hands on defense. And I can really break down things to the smallest detail through that. And that's what you'll see in this book. I mean, it's really a basketball Bible. Yeah. Mamba but it's also your mindset Bible, right? Yeah, yeah. You'll see how I break things down, like how I'm looking at, Thinks the smallest of detail. yeah, And uh, that's the best way to understand how to have that kind of mentality, is to ask questions, then find answers. And mm. then that to more questions, and you find more answers. And that's what the book is. I love it. Make
0: sure you guys get the book. You can pre-order it right now. Download the Punies. Follow you on social media. The final question is, what's your definition of greatness?
1: I think the definition of greatness is to inspire the people next to you. I think that's what greatness is is or should be. It's not something that's that, that lives and dies with one person. It's how can you inspire a person to then in turn inspire another person that then inspires another person. And that's how you create something that I think lasts forever. And uh, I think that's our challenge as people, is to figure out how our story can impact others and motivate them in a way to create their own greatness.
0: Well, I want to acknowledge you again, man, for the inspiration. You're just a symbol of, truth and inspiration to so many people. Oh, thanks, man. And um, I just appreciate you as a human. So, Kobe, appreciate it, man. thanks, man. Appreciate you, brother. There you have it, my friends. Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest of all time. The Mamba mentality, talking about NBA championships, winning Oscars, the power of storytelling, and so much more. I was blown away by this. His willingness to share, his willingness to reveal, his, his open-heartedness, his generosity. And I hope you appreciated his sincerity and his wisdom as much as I did, as this was a real treat and honor to be able to have that time with Kobe and really just to pick his brain and and tap into his heart. I think there's so much power in his energy and his presence. And we can all learn some incredible things from the way he's overcome challenges, the way he's continued to pursue dreams after this massive career he's had and continue to reinvent himself. So if you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 691. Again, tag at Kobe Bryant over on Instagram. Let him know that you enjoyed this. Post it on Twitter, tag him there, Facebook, all those places. Want to make sure that he sees all of you who are enjoying this information. And definitely check out The Punies. Again, The Punies is a powerful family series that teaches children morals and history in a really fun and positive way. So make sure to check that out. I enjoyed listening to the first few episodes and I think you will as well. Play it to your kids while you're driving in the car to school or to sports practice or out to dinner and see their reaction again. Take a video of you playing it with your kids in the car or when you're going out somewhere and get their reaction and tag Kobe as well. Send it to me and I'll send it to him if you want to. would love to give him that feedback that he's looking for on this show and his creation as well. You can check out the full show notes, the full video interview over at lewishouse.com slash 691. And one of the things I enjoyed the most about this was storytelling and the stories that Kobe told And talked about during this and how he mentioned that storytelling was something that he wanted to get better at. It's one of his visions and dreams moving forward. And as Joseph Campbell said at the beginning, if you're going to have a story, have a big story or none at all. We all have a life to live. We all have an opportunity to leave an impact, to leave a story behind, and to tell a story while we're here. And I want to ask you, are you sharing a positive, impactful story, or are you sharing one of negativity, of drama, of anger and resentment right now? Ask yourself, am I sharing something meaningful in the world? Am I showing up every day and pursuing the things that I love, that I enjoy, that I believe in, or am I complaining, making excuses, and being a victim of my own story? You have an opportunity to change the script at any moment, to change your mentality, to change your actions, to change your goals, to change your relationships, to change your health. But it's your decision to make. It's your story to write. What's the story that you're going to be writing moving forward? I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Again, share it with your friends. Let's spread this message far and wide. And as always you know what time it is it's time to go out there and do something great